Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, I'm sitting down and talking with Mark and Leah from the Eden Fresh Network. Well, uh, you've heard me talk about Mark before in the podcast. Mark's been a guest in the podcast before, and if you remember back from the beginning days of the pandemic, there was the Eden Fresh Network that had popped up in Syracuse, and it was essentially bringing the regional farmer's market direct to consumer, uh, so to speak. It was uh, the Eden Fresh Network was a a business that sold um, farm produce, farm fresh produce from local farmers, um, meats and breads and cheeses and butters and, you know, even beer. And you could go on their website and order and have it delivered. I believe they were doing twice a week direct to your door or you could go pick it up at the restaurant, but, um, you know, over the past two and a half years or two years, however long COVID's been going on, um, that had slowed down and now they're kind of revamping it and, and, and getting back into it and even, you know, making it a lot nicer. And you'll hear all about that in the podcast, in this conversation that I have with Mark and Leah. So it's pretty cool to have it coming up and, uh, it's pretty cool to hear a little bit about what's happening over at the Strathmore building. And, uh, yeah. It's exciting to see uh, things that are popping up in Syracuse that are developments and, uh, you know, new things happening. And I couldn't, as a resident and promoter of all things local and the food and beverage world, I couldn't be more excited for it. So, yeah. Um, What's going on this week? Well, we just came off of our big sangria crawl that we threw this past Saturday. It was our first ever bar crawl that we've ever thrown here at Eat Local New York and partnered up with our friends at Limp Lizard Barbecue to get that thing going. And it was a great time. I mean, despite the weather being, you know, pretty rough, I mean, it was drizzling and it was cold, you know, it could have been a lot worse. But, you know, despite the weather being a little, uh, you know, bad, it still was a, I thought it was a great event. Um, We were, you know, as most things, if you haven't noticed over the years here at Eat Local New York, especially if you're you're a a restaurant owner that's talked to us about marketing and stuff like that, and if you've, you know, you know the value of the Eat Local card, then you know that I am the type of business owner, and, you know, arguably to my own fault, uh, I charge too little and give too much. And I think our Sangria Crawl was the same way. We charged only $20 for tickets. And, you know, for that, you were able to go around to eight different bars all around Syracuse, buy a sangria at each bar for anywhere from like two to five dollars. We gave you sangria donut, um, the limited amount that we had from glazed and confused donuts. You got a free Eat Local New York card, which is worth more than the price of admission in and of itself. And then uh, we had an after party at the rail line, had a cash bar and live music and for most of the people that showed up, we had free food from Limp Lizard, but you know, unfortunately, a lot of the people that were there were ultra hungry, and so we ran out of food. But it was a great event, and um, you know, our plan is to start throwing a lot more great, a lot more, a lot more great events. Um, our plan is to start throwing many more great events. None of them are going to be bad, and yeah, and so we're going to be we're going to be announcing some of those here in the coming weeks, but we're excited. We've got, you know, three or four more in the works just for this year alone. And you know, I think this is going to be something that we're going to kind of start to divert some of our attention to for Meet Local New York. You know, if you follow the business for so long, it's been socially like, "Hey, 
come check out our Instagram account. This is all we're doing. And then it was, hey, come check out our podcast and come check out our Eat Local card. And we're just, I'm trying to, you know, I don't say we, it's just me. I'm trying to diversify the business enough where we can be relevant to a lot of people. Because let's face it, not everybody cares about saving money when they go out to eat by getting a card. Not everybody cares about the podcast. Not everybody's on Instagram. Not everybody's going to be reading blogs on our website. Not everybody's going to be going to these, you know, pub crawl events. So um, I'm just trying to diversify the business to make sure that we can make the biggest impact, but also that we can, you know, directly help these restaurants. Because while Sangria was fun and it was a great time and we made a little bit of money off of it, um, one thing that we did that was really different for the restaurants is we gave them the wine that they used in their Sangria. We purchased it. And then we gave it to them. And, you know, why is that a big deal? Well, I was talking to one of the owners who sold, was able to sell his sangrias for only $3 and still make a good amount of money on it because we had given him the wine. So, you know, there's situations like that where we just want to make sure that we can help restaurants. That's the whole point of Eat Local New York is to help the local restaurant owners and the local restaurant community. And so we want to do that any way we can. And when it comes to doing events like this, I know that's a behind-the-scenes thing. It's not like we can advertise, hey, come to our sangria crawl. By the way, we bought the wine for the restaurants. Nobody cares about that except for the restaurant owners. And so that's, you know, just kind of all fits into our model of doing things here at Eat Local New York. My good friend, I'm now calling him my good friend, my friend Kevin uh, Amond, who was on last week's episode of the podcast, uh, Craft Draft Services, I'm going to say it again, Make sure your fucking draft lines are clean. Dear God, if you're serving draft beer and you don't have your draft lines clean, shame on you. Yes, shame on you. Get your draft lines clean. Contact Kevin. It's disgusting. You could be hurting people. Get your freaking tap lines cleaned. Anyways, Kevin posted this thing on Facebook the other day and uh, you know tagged me and a couple other local business owners in it that he is friends with or knows and... And um, I just really, really, really liked it. Um, and it kind of, it gave me a lot of perspective. I'm going to see if I can, as I'm talking. So yeah, so here, here's what it says. Your network is your net worth. Uh, only matters if you're worth some shit too. If you're hanging out with a bunch of losers, what's your network worth? Develop skills, become valuable, read books that actually teach you real skills. Go out and execute those skills in real life. Start building shit then the value comes later. The whole problem with this generation is everyone thinks they are going to get this in just a second. I'm going to become an entrepreneur. See you in 20 years. This is not a game. There are people here that are apex predators that understand every little nuance of every little thing that took 20 years to get there. So you being three years in thinking you deserve to be in my circle, I'm sorry, but you're delusional. People need to quit taking it personal. I was shit on by everybody that's part of the process. We are enti we got entitlement issues. We've got instant gratification issues. The sad thing is, if we have more opportunity than ever, and people shit on it because they can't have it in a year or two years. That's a book, that's uh, an excerpt from a book, I believe, or a podcast or something that, that Kevin took and, and posted, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, guessing. But... Um, uh, anyways, um, it just really helped me as a business owner. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think a lot of restaurant owners and business owners listen to this podcast more than not. 
And um, and so oftentimes I've said this before, but oftentimes the guests that have come in, it's like, hey, I want them, I want, I want the restaurant owners that I think are listening to this podcast to hear what this person has to say. And and you know, for um, when I'm doing this introduction, I'm talking to you. At least I think I'm talking to you. Sometimes I'm just talking to myself, and you're listening. Um, but if I'm talking to other restaurant owners, other business owners. You know, I can say I've been doing this for six years and just about a half of a year uh, full-time, a little over half of a year, and I feel entitled. I mean, listen, our business does not do that well. I mean, we're not, I'm not over here making, you know, paying myself $150,000 a year. Um, you know, I took a, a big pay cut. I, I pay myself half of what I was making at my last job doing about three times as much work. It's wonderful because I get to work for myself because, you know, this morning I had to do things that popped up into my schedule that weren't planned, and I didn't have to worry about being on someone else's time frame or schedule. I could just go do things and, and still fit it into all my client work. And so that's great. I love being self-employed um, and, and making these decisions myself. Um, but, you know, that comes at a cost in the beginning, and that cost is, you know, you, is not getting paid as much. Um, see, but I've, I've you, know, in, you know, there's a couple of you that I know can attest to this directly, but uh, I feel entitled. There's no question about that. It's like, hey, I've got this great business. Why aren't people giving me money? Um, and you have to work at shit. It doesn't come overnight. It doesn't come in six years. I'm sure, you know, listen, for some people it can, and for some people it does, and for some people it will. Uh, but for others, and I'd say the majority of people, I'd say the majority of people build and work and grind, and it never happens. And there's just a, really a few people who it really hits big for. And then there's, you know, probably there's a few people after that who just grind at it every day and, you know, they make a decent living and they're relatively happy. And that's that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily being accepting of this or that. It's not being accepting of, all right, well, I'm not going to hit it big. You know, you know, this business isn't going to take off to be a millionaire. Um, I don't think it's necessarily falling into that acceptance of like, you know, woe is me. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, I'm just not going to be as big as I thought it was going to be. But I think it's just a matter of knowing that every day that you haven't made it, it's just another day that you have the opportunity to put your uh, put your head down, put one foot in front of the other. You know, if you're a restaurant owner, then it's, you know, every day is that opportunity to try and serve one more customer faster or better or get a new customer in the door or come up with that special or save that, you know, $20 a week on f food or whatever the hell it is, right? You know, for me, it's, you know, putting my head down and one foot in front of the other and just making another video, putting out another post, designing another graphic. You know, it's just like continuing to do the things that you know will work until you make it, so to speak. That's what that taught me. Um, I've been on the verge of giving up. I mean, you know, uh, there's some cool life things that are happening in, in my life and my family and, you know, decisions are, you know, I've been sitting here thinking like decisions are gonna have to be made. Maybe it's time to hang up, you know, my hat of eat local New York and, um, you know, get rid of most of this stuff that I have fun with and get rid of the studio and go to a small podcast, maybe, you know, maybe just have the card, maybe go out to eat every once in a while and, close up the marketing business and go get a job. Uh, and I don't know that, that 
that post that Kevin made gave me the inspiration to think, you know, first of all, dude, you're not shit. And second of all, um, you know, it, it takes time. None, none of this, you can't expect any of this to just be handed to you. So you got to work at it if you want to do something great. And that's a direct quote from me uh, that I got from Wayne Gretzky, from Michael Scott. All right, well, I've talked enough. Thank you so much for listening to my rambling, if you're still here. And let's jump into this week's episode. It's my conversation with Mark and Leah from the Eden Fresh Network. Well, thank you both for coming on the podcast. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about the project before I start asking you a bunch of questions. Sure. Uh, I'm Mark Paulu. Uh, I'm with, I own Farm to Fork 101, and currently we are under the process of uh, starting the Eden Fresh Network uh, over in the Tipperary Hill area. My name is Leah DeRosa, and I am part owner in Eden Fresh Network, and uh, we will be working in the Tipper Hill area. I don't know. I thought it was right over here for some reason. Uh, it's like Salve area, so over by the mall. Okay. If you're coming out of the mall, uh, you know, you go down Hiawatha towards Tip Hill, and it's pretty much right in front of you. When you can't go any further, you either take a left and go to Burn Dairy or take a right, go to the Strathmore Paint Building. Right. Okay. We're in it's the like Strathmore. right around the corner. Gotcha. Who's some... doghouse? I don't know if you've ever been there. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're getting a shout out today. The doghouse. <laughs> is it a real doghouse or is that a bar? It's a bar. It's a bar. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought it was this building right over here, this big white building. As you go, if you come off West Street, and you can turn left to downtown or right oh, yeah. to come here. If you go straight, there's that big old factory building. For some reason, I thought that was it. Where WSYR is? No. Oh. Um, uh, up for, like, if you're heading towards the... Uh, like Salt City Coffee, you know, okay. that sort of that area over there. But it's not. It's no, not. It's we are, uh, yeah, near west side. I think it's the near west side is what it's called. Tip okay. Hill. Uh, I think it's on, the, it's on the Salve side. It's still considered Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still within the city limits, okay. so which is good. Yeah. Uh, there's not much over there as far as uh, fresh food goes, so we're excited for it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a few places over there you can buy food. There's like Rich's Deli and Beverage. I think you buy sandwiches and Gatorades and stuff, and then there's... You know, Green Front and uh, a Burn Dairy. Yeah. But, and there's a few other like Marts, but mm-hmm. nothing of uh, like fresh. And even like the tops down in Westvale, that, that left. That left a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah. So it is a, a true food desert. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you have to either go to Western Lights or you have to go to Fairmount to yep. get anything. Yeah. Or, uh, or downtown, you can go to the, the co op. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're far enough away where I don't think it's going to. Uh, affect anything with them but you know it gives people an option to you know i was i've lived in tipperary hill for my early 20s uh late teens and almost all my 30s so um for me to see something like this go there is it's exciting yeah that's cool so i mean tell me exactly what is the fresh network uh so it's a network of farmers chefs and consumers uh we're looking to connect connect all those people together so we have a hybrid food hub uh, that we're working on uh, where we essentially like an Instacart for farms. So the farms come in, drop off some food, and then we deliver it uh, to households or uh, to restaurants 
whoever wants to order, we'll have an online platform uh, that they can go through and look through. We'll have uh, a lot of the farms that we work with are organic, but it's not required. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them have good farming practices, uh, but I mean, we're all over the place. There's also like, you know, vendors in there like Syracuse Salt will be coming in there and uh, you know, we'll have some hot sauces and maple syrups and whatever else, you know, obviously those are not vegetables or meats, but we'll have everything else. So local products, local, local products. products, New York state. Yeah. Part, part our, yeah. Yeah. Our end goal would be to be completely New York state grown. That's cool. Yeah. And so it's going to be a grocery store sort of. Yes. That's so, our end there's, goal. so there's three yeah. phases here. So the first phase, we're just going to do the online market. Mm-hmm. Uh, the online market is really you just order online, we deliver it to you. Um, and then the second phase, we're going to start working into like a little bit of co-packing and we have this IQF machine that we're, we're looking to purchase. And, uh, you know, and then the third one is moving into a grocery store so that we have a place almost like a, a cash and carry That's cool. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Exciting stuff. So phase one is, is, uh, the delivery method and, right. you know, pick up, I'd imagine to a certain extent. But yeah. Right. We'll have a space there too. So the, the building, the Strathmore paint building is under, a, it's a larger, okay. uh, a larger, I guess, um, project that's going on there. And so they're trying to develop the building and develop mm-hmm. the area into like, you know, there might be a brewery or distillery in there. There might be like an ice cream shop in there and, you know, something else. Yeah. Bakery. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's a huge mm-hmm. building. Uh, our space is about 2000 square feet. Wow. Initially. Initially in phase one. And then eventually with the grocery store, move into about 6,000 square feet. Wow. Right. So we'll have lots of storage. Um, mm-hmm. And then the actual building, on the other hand, you know, we're a very small section, surprisingly enough, 6,000 is a lot, but mm. It's small in comparison to what it, what what else is there. I mean, we're inside what's this the Delavan building? Yeah. There's, I mean, I don't know how many things are in here, but lots. Um, it's like four or five floors. Yeah, it's yeah. not as big as this, but I mean, they have a co-working space that they're working on upstairs. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a brain, brain feeders. Lab. Uh, there's two professors from Cornell that have a program that they're working with nutrition with the uh, with children and how like they develop if they the, depending on what food they eat. You know, yeah. um, so they're going to be upstairs on the second floor. Um, they're great. So, I mean, there's, I mean, it's mm. a lot of good things coming to Tipperary Hill. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love the bars there, uh, it's nice to see something different too. Yeah, for sure. There's a few different projects going on in Tip Hill, uh, that I know of. Um, trying to revitalize the whole area. It's going to yeah. be a nice project. Yeah, yeah for there. sure. I've been thinking of like driving around and thinking about all the different stuff that's supposed, that's supposed to be coming to Syracuse. And then thinking about like trying to compare it to other like big cities I've been to and how that's going to feel. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. You know, I know that they're doing a lot of work at the Inner Harbor. They're getting ready to build another that the Iron Pier. They're getting they're building a twin to that right. down there. So yeah, I mean, I think it's great all the stuff that's coming here to Syracuse. I mean, I was born and raised here. I left. I think for like seven or eight years, maybe nine years. I don't know. I can't count that high. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, I left for a bunch of years, and uh, they were, you know, there was nothing here when I left. You yeah. know, it's part of the reason why I did leave. But you know, you come back and you see all these great things that are happening right. in other cities, and you just want to, uh, you know, be a crusader here and and make it happen here. Yeah. yeah. You know, not that we need the same exact things as everyone else, but you know, it's nice to have our own little uh, slice of 
slice of local heaven. Right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm an implant, and just to see how much has grown in Hanover Square alone is pretty nice, mm-hmm. you know? So to be part of the redevelopment of Tipperary Hill is going to be really yeah. exciting for us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I want to talk about our restaurant that we opened, 3-1 Fried. Fried chicken sandwiches is all we sell, and we've got some of the best in Syracuse. You can find us. We are sharing space. We're co-working. We're renting. We are partners with, whatever you want to call it. We are operating outside, inside of the Limp Lizard Barbecue up in North Syracuse. You can find us for delivery on DoorDash and coming soon, Grubhub and Uber Eats. You can also find us for takeout and dine-in. You know, you can do all of it, just like a regular restaurant, sort of. But find more information by visiting us online at 31fried.com. That's the number three, the number one, and the word fried.com. And now, back to the episode. So, Leah, what's your background? What what do you do? Well, my background is in healthcare and healthcare management. So it's pretty different. But I came to Eden Fresh Network as a volunteer Mm -hmm. initially. Um, So... My passion grew because I've had health issues over the years, Mm -hmm. 30 plus years. So um, I've always had to be really careful about what I've eaten and, you know, look at labels and, Mm -hmm. you know, know what the ingredients are. So for me, the passion is be able to provide people with better health choices and fresh foods, especially if we start working in the school districts where we can provide that same healthy and fresh foods for children all year round, Mm -hmm. especially when we get the IQF machine. So that's where my passion lies. And, you know, be able to educate people about how to cook certain foods, you know, all the nutrients that are being provided in those foods. So I come from a health perspective. And so I'm hoping that my knowledge can be added to the programs as we go along, especially if we have two professors that also will be talking about brain development. And so, yeah, yeah, it's going to be an exciting ride for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep on putting apples in her lunch bag, so (laughs) it's good. So get the New York State apples. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. You can still get them in certain places. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh, Uh, fresh apples. Yeah. Yeah. Depending (laughs) on how they kept them. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So now, now, where are you from originally? I'm born in New York City, but I was raised in Bermuda. Okay. So uh, even though in Bermuda they imported most of the food, my parents still provided us with really healthy, balanced meals, especially, as I said, I was a sickly child. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's nice to be able to see that, you know, we can provide that kind of service within the Eating Fresh Network for other people yeah. who are health conscious and still even those that aren't we can educate them on how to become so yeah it's really important to me yeah that's cool how long were you in uh, bermuda for from the age of seven mm-hmm. until i left for college but i still consider that my home yeah so yeah. what do you think about the weather up here <laughs> well that has been challenging <laughs> for me because i went to college in dc so okay. it wasn't that bad down there yeah but you know it's rough yeah, for I mean, sure. The first my first winter here, the snow was up to my windows at my home, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, what did I do?" But I still love Syracuse. I have pictures yeah. of the sun around my house. Just to, every once in a while, I get to see it. It's great. Yeah, it's rough. I lived in Central Texas for a couple of years and uh, did not like it, <laughs> mainly because of the wildlife. Mm. Um, like the heat yeah. was the heat was kind of bad, but uh, the wildlife was really bad. Like yeah. I don't like. Any snakes or big <laughs> spiders or scorpions, right? Yep. And, and this, yeah, and you know, you just hear them. You you know, you just like 
Yeah. Like I remember riding my bike on the side of a main road in Texas and, and within a mile I had driven like rode past a a rattlesnake. I rode over like a dead king snake. Wow. (laughs) There were scorpions in my car or in my uh, garage, geckos in my house all the time, all that kind of stuff. Um, But so I left and came back here, but hearing about like the resurgence into Austin, um, I mean, I'm married now, so I'm not yeah. just going to pick up a move. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> um, but I'm like, man, it would, it would be nice because that's where I lived. And so I was right. like, it would be nice to go back to Austin. And then somebody yeah. just posted, it was Joe Rogan on Instagram, posted a picture of a tarantula <laughs> outside, yeah, like in his backyard because he lives in Austin. And I was he like, does? Oh, I was okay. like, yeah, that's why, that's why I don't live there. I mean, I lived down in Florida, like Tampa area for, mm-hmm. uh, for a year or so. Really? And, uh, you know. I'm not really afraid of frogs, but I saw a frog in Florida on the side, like stuck to the wall. I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't touch that one. <laughs> but wait, I live <laughs> here in Sedgwick. Yeah. There's no frogs on your wall. No, that's okay. I hear a fox every night, yeah. like screeching. Yeah. Right? See, so that's the yeah. city. Foxes don't bother me. Like, me you know, things like that, mice, ro- all that, that stuff does not bother me. Okay. Uh, tiny little geckos that are that big <laughs> that can yeah. detach their tail yeah. and still live, those freak me out. No, I'm I done. lived in Bermuda. That's commonplace. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the reasons why I have zero desire to like go to Florida because of, mm. you know, there was that one winter. It got really cold down there and all those lizards yeah, were freezing fall. in <laughs> the trees. Fall, uh, the trees, right? And right. falling from trees and hitting people in the head. I'm like, no, I'm good. No. Uh, Bermuda's now they got a paradise. down there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm good. No, I'm all set with that. So I'll, you guys I'll, I'll, I'll hang out with the deer. Great. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't like the winter here, but I'll, I'll put up with the snow over, you know, a deadly snake any day of the week. Listen, be- between December and the middle of January, snow all you want. Yeah. I, I like it for the holidays. Yeah. You know, two weeks after. Yeah. <laughs> after New Year's Eve. Then I'm like, done. okay, buddy, let's right. go. Sunshine. But it snows until May here sometimes. So, yes. you know, no, it's, be... it's supposed to snow tomorrow. I know. We have a sangria Shut crawl, and it's supposed to snow tomorrow. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it's supposed to be. We don't, we don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, maybe talking about it will push yeah, it away. Patio yeah. season's got to start here sometime. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. So, um, so, uh, so, tell me about like, cause, so you guys have just uh, like kind of announced that this is happening, right? And right. Uh, kicked off a fundraising um, campaign for it. So, tell us right. a little bit about that. So we have uh, we joined up with uh, Honeycomb funding uh and it's a crowdfunding uh it's actually called crowd lending now um so instead of like people just giving money up for this they they invest into the the business uh and then over five years we we eventually pay them back uh with our with our business uh funds so it's you know people with interest get, with interest yeah so you, you know if you put in a thousand dollars you back i think it's twelve hundred and fifty dollars over mm-hmm. five years so you know it's really just giving us uh you know uh, helping us out and give us a little extra so we can purchase the, the the proper equipment that we need the refrigeration you know everything is price-wise is skyrocketing and yeah. you know um, but you know this is meant to like build the community too. So we want people to really like believe in what we're doing, uh, like we do, and and kind of be able to come through and and see this. So if anybody ever wants to come and see it, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, I'll walk you through the the building. Uh, if I if I don't, somebody there will. There's a lot of people working on it and, and making things happen. You might have to wear a hard hat right now, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, you know. So that's what we're. I mean, that's what we're trying to raise the funds for. We're trying to 
uh, for refrigeration, uh, down payment on a on a food truck, uh, like a delivery truck, a refrigerated mm-hmm. delivery truck. Yeah. Uh, and then we have this thing called an IQF machine. Uh, it's individual quick freezing. Hmm. Uh, so when we spoke with uh, certain people in the area, they're doing stuff with the city school district. Uh, we asked them what the what the issues were and what they were having trouble like pursuing or, or seeing in, in the Syracuse area. And they said that this is the biggest thing that they find is that no one processes vegetables. Hmm. Um, so the IQF machine freezes stuff. Uh, you know, we get vegetables from farms we, or berries or whatever else. We freeze it through this thing. It's got liquid nitrogen. Um, and then it comes out, we package it, and then it sits. And then in the wintertime when the school is in session, they can actually get vegetables to go throughout the year. So we extend mm. the growing season is what we're trying to do. Mm. Um, it's an idea that we're working on, and uh, you know, we, we feel that it's, it's a good way to complement all the other great things that are going on for these farm-to-school initiatives. And so, I mean, our end goal is to, to be working with institutions on that, on that scale yeah. uh, so that we can move products from farms into you know into areas that are you know undernourished and underseen so yeah um mm-hmm. we were uh i volunteered with the brady faith farm this past fall they did uh initiative through uh i think it's bright mckinley okay and they brought in fresh vegetables and when i was in there it was crazy to see but we see these kids and they you know they don't really have food at home or in the areas mm-hmm. that they're in and they okay. This, this one kid, I just just remembers in my mind that, you know, he had a bag of Fritos, a bag of Doritos, and a bag of, like, yellow chips, mm. a soda, a Gatorade, and a lollipop for lunch. Mm. And that was what on his table. There was wow. nothing else, you know. And then we brought in these, and they were, like, beets and turnips and radishes and I forget what else was in there. But we put it in front of him, and he ate it. He was like, hmm, this actually isn't so bad. So, mm. you know, I feel that. You know, people give up on the kids and like, they're not going to eat that. Yeah. You know, I have a nine-year-old at home. Hey, we've got some awesome events that we are in the works for planning, so make sure that you stay connected with us on our website at eatlocalnewyork.com. Not only can you find these podcasts posted there every single week, but you'll find all of our new blog posts, all of our new cocktail recipes, all of our new fun things that we're putting out, and our announcements on events. So make sure that you stay connected with us by visiting us online at eatlocalnewyork.com. And now, back to the episode. And he eats broccoli, spinach, Swiss chard, uh, carrots. I mean, it took a little bit of time to get him to there, but, you know, just, you know, if you don't, I guess, offer the chicken tenders and the pizza and just say this is what we have, you know, they're more apt to try it. You know, one of the mm-hmm. rules we have at home is, you know, if, we, if you get to pick out the vegetables that we're growing in the garden – then when we pick them, you have to at least try it. Mm-hmm. So we try I mean, there's some weird stuff that I've tried too. So and <laughs> I'm like, all right, buddy, you sure you want to plant that? <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and inside, you know, when he helps me like cook or like cut up mushrooms and stuff like that, you know, whatever he helps me cook, he has to at least try it and take a bite. And if I come to find out he likes, you know, more stuff than his mother. So, okay. you know. Yeah. I think it's great, and there's even certain things that I won't eat that he loves. So yeah, you know how uh, how was that program with uh, Brady Faith Farms in the school? Was that was that like because um, like the thought I'm, the thing I'm thinking about is are the, do the schools have the budget to be able to afford you know produce like this on like large scales or is it just like uh, I mean they're already buying through other you know means oh, yeah, yeah. Know? I, I mean great. it's just shifting what they spend all the money on. So instead of, you know, going through the, 
the you know whatever they use now uh it yeah. just kind of shifts it so that they can use uh the fresh local farms but there's nobody in Syracuse that's really aggregating anything to to get it there uh at least not in scale yeah um you know but you have to work with a lot of different farms in order to make it happen i mean one farm is not going to be able to supply and uh-huh. how many students did they say they had was, i forget what they said <laughs> thousands of thousands, students like three yeah. to five thousand wow you know um, but there's a there's a lot of incentives out there through the state, through the governments mm-hmm. and stuff. For if they have thirty uh, percent New York State it. grown, then mm-hmm. there's funding that comes from the state towards right. the school. So oh, that's cool. And I don't think there's there's no one in Syracuse like school wise, like even like the suburban schools. That I, I think Fayetteville Manless might be the closest one to do it, but right. I don't even think that's true. So, hmm. um, but there's there's no schools that I know of that are doing it in Syracuse. There are places like in Binghamton and. I think Rochester and Buffalo, the school districts are doing it, but it's really like, mm. I mean, how many school districts are in Syracuse? Yeah. Like yeah. 20 school districts yeah. and there's mm. zero. There's probably 50 in Buffalo and there's probably maybe like two that are, <laughs> that are doing it. So mm. there's so much potential and like the USDA grants and stuff, they're putting them out there now and it's like, you know, they're really pushing for the farm to school. So, yeah. And, you know, I am too. Yeah. Right. Are there any like other? Are there any examples you have of like other cities or other communities in the country that have like successfully done something like this? In terms of like you know partnering the farms to the local school districts. Uh, yeah, I mean they're all over the place. I mean yeah. if you look in Vermont, I mean that's you know they're years ahead of us. And yeah, but Vermont's full of hippies, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need some down there. here. I know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean. Vermont, I, I know that there's other places around the country, too. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing off the top of my head that I can think of outright. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's moving that direction. I'm sure that out in California and, sure. yeah. you know, Oregon and Washington, those areas, you know, where, where the West Coast hippies are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a push that way. It's tough, uh, you know, when you have to, you know, the USDA is, is looking to, to move that direction. And they're putting money out there for everyone to see mm-hmm. um some of those are going towards nonprofits, but you know there's grants out there for you know to work together mm-hmm. so like different businesses and different entities working together so i mean it's you know when we work on a grant we we don't want to work on one that's only going to benefit us we're going to work on one that benefits you know four or five six different yeah. uh, businesses and six different farms or whatever so yeah you know it's a food system. It's not like just us. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, with Farm to Fork 101, it's always been about community. And this is just kind of moving it into the Eat and Fresh Network is still working in the community and just on a bigger scale. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So is it more, is, so it sounds like it's going to be more um, well-rounded. Is that right? Like hitting up the consumer directly through like the delivery truck and, and, you know, pickups and stuff like that, kind of like the early days, but also moving into the like, you know, grant system with yeah. trying to get into schools and whatnot. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Or is there like, or is there one main focus that you'd rather, you know, you'd rather work more closely with connecting farms and schools or work more closely with just connecting consumers to the farms or is it just more both? I think it's more outreaching. We want to just bring, uh, food access to the underserved, whether it be at the schools or within the community. So it's it's we're going to start with our known mm-hmm. and then move toward you know the schools. Yeah. Um, 
so that we really want, there's so many underserved, especially in the Syracuse area, that uh, we really want to be able to. The Tip Hills we've seen too, yeah. like there's, there's, like I said, there's not much over there, so. No, yeah. there's not. Yeah. I just think of like, you know, back in the early days of COVID, you know, with like the Fresh Network, you know, we we definitely bought a couple boxes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, but buying local stuff isn't cheap. No. And um, at all. And you know that, you know, yeah. better than anybody. And uh, it, it doesn't, it seems like um, uh, more of like a middle class, you know, problem to have sort of a thing. Right. And then talking to, like, I was just talking, I was, because I'm doing these videos for Cornell Cooperative Extension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just out at this farm in Chittenango doing like a video on the farm. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hell, I've got, 165 restaurants across the state I can email and just I don't know if they'll buy anything but at the very least I can just send them an email and say hey Henry's Farm out in Chittenango has dairy and beef and tomatoes and and all this stuff I can send an email out if you want they're like no we're okay they're like we don't want to wholesale like there's no money in that we want to retail from our farm stand and that's it now I don't know if that's just their mindset because they've been farming for 50 years and they're like we listen you know we don't really want to deal with it um, or if it's just from a profitable stand, you know, profitability standpoint, or what the case is. But um, well, there was a huge shift over COVID too to to move in that direction. And I feel that you know the the people are still going directly to the farm. Yeah, you know, but we want to be there for the people that can't, can't go there. to the directly yeah. to the farm. Or you know, the farmers market is great. I'm there every Saturday. Um, but people on Saturdays, sometimes they don't even want to get up that early to, to be there. I mean, it's 7 to noon, 7 to 2, I think is right, what it two. is. But yeah. noon is, uh, you know, usually the, I'm I'm always there before noon. But, you know, it's just, they don't want to get up on a Saturday that early. Or they're still afraid. And, you know, a lot of people that we've serviced in the past are people that have disabilities and that have mm-hmm. and don't want to be, you know, put themselves in those situations, you know, because COVID yeah. is still... You know, still real. a lot of yeah. people are still here and people are, you know, still want to wear the masks. And people are still nervous. So, sure, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we just, and those people have, uh, you know, shown interest in coming back to us and, and shopping with us, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's great. I mean, there's other people out there doing it. There's farms that are, you know, delivering to, to that as well. And we want to, you know, we don't want to take away from what the farms are doing. We want to, you know, be there for when they don't want to do it anymore, mm-hmm. you know? We want to keep that, you know, all that, the great movement that's going there, the great food movement that's moving that way. We want to make it so that it's, you know, easier and it's continued into the future. Mm-hmm. You know, when this is all said and done in the next couple of years and, you know, we don't have to, you know, COVID is behind us. Yeah. Uh, we want the food system to be ahead of us, you know. Yeah, so. for sure. And we also don't want to just make it accessible to the middle class. We want yeah. to make it accessible to everybody. Right. So yeah. hopefully at some point in the future, we can become SNAP eligible That'd be cool. so that everybody is able to uh, yeah. afford what yeah. we have there. I mean, there's programs throughout, like mm-hmm. Double Up Food Box. And, oh, mm-hmm. soup, yeah. you know, there's SNAP, obviously. There's plenty of other stuff, too. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. but if we position ourselves down there, it'll bring people into the area, mm-hmm. you know, and it gives people something else to go to right you know i mean wegmans is is great i mean i've been shopping there for a long time uh but you know 
there's you know there's there's a need for all of us yeah, yeah. oh yeah. without a doubt yeah i mean wegmans does depending on which one you're in features local you know i shouldn't say local they feature new york state you know farms and whatnot and that's that's great for maybe one or two products right and i don't know how much they bring in that they just don't advertise but um yeah you know that's local from for the state but uh uh I want to take a quick moment and talk about the Eat Local New York card. If you haven't heard of it, well, where have you been? Second of all, it's a great deal. For $25, you get a membership card that grants you a $5 discount at over 160 restaurants all across New York State whenever you spend $25 or more. You can pick your card up at eatlocalnewyork.com. You can also find the list of participating restaurants at eatlocalnewyork.com. And then whenever you go out to eat at one of those restaurants and spend $25 or more, just show that you have the Eat Local New York card and you get $5 off your bill. Best part is you can use it as many times as you want until the end of this year. And it's only locally owned restaurants, so you're supporting local business every single time that you go out to eat and use your Eat Local New York card. Pick yours up at eatlocalnewyork.com today. And now, back to the episode. Sprint out back. (laughs) They got to get it in, you know, nicotine. It's, uh, we talked about it before. It's, uh, it's there. Um, they're so funny to watch. Yeah. I mean, I was, a I was the, the batter. I don't know if you're allowed to say it, but the batter bitch at Tully's a long time ago. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we tenders that Tully's guts. It's unbelievable how how many. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. How is that? Three, one, three, one fried. It's great. I mean, it's, um, it's really wild to be on this side of the industry. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I thought that I was kind of on this side of the industry by just knowing so many owners and chefs and talking to them about it. But now going into a kitchen um, and we're only open, you know, four days a week and only well, now we're open for lunch and dinner. But um, do you find yourself cussing more? No, I don't find myself. (laughs) I find myself being a lot actually a lot more level headed now because, you know, like last last Thursday, um you know, we're inside Limp Lizard, and so Limp Lizard had, had started to switch over their POS systems to the one that 31 Fried got, which is uh, spot on. Mm. Yeah. And and so what had happened was a different Limp Lizard location who got their POS system first, the online ordering feature had accidentally been triggered for all locations. <laughs> so somebody could go to limplizard.com and place an order for pickup, but the issue was no one was getting those... Um, Nobody was getting those orders. So a customer would just walk into the restaurant and say, hey, you know, I'm Bob. I'm here for my, you know, brisket platter. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? Um, And so and this is happening in the middle of this massive rush on a Thursday night that they weren't prepared for in the first place. And take into the account that one team in one kitchen is now all of a sudden cooking the food for two restaurants, um, which is just insane by itself. Yeah. So to add on top of that, they got like 10 orders for these online orders that they had no idea. Now customers are pissed and they're like, well, we don't even have that. You know, so it was this whole thing. So Kevin, who's like the head guy out there, walked into the back um, from like the line to the prep kitchen and he had this pair of dirty tongs. And instead of like running them over to the dish sink like he normally would, he like chucked them (laughs) down there and looked at me and he was like, tell Nick turn the fucking online order <laughs> off now. And I just kind of like gave him this look and he like walked out and immediately walked back in. I'm sorry. Can you please call, you know, tell him, uh, maybe a month ago I'd have been like, what the, f-? like I would have, you know, been right there with him. But being there now, 
it seemed like these guys are on the line, like just getting killed, putting out this food. I, if I tried to step on the line and help them, I'd ruin it. And so I'm I like, I think people realize like how stressful it is to be in a, in a kitchen, especially it's, when it's busy. You yeah. know, I mean, it's not worked at many restaurants over the years. Uh, you know, Francesca's never in the kitchen. I mean, I did salad for, I, you know, when yeah. they, when the salad guy didn't show up for whatever reason, I would do the salads, but you know, I'm not saying that's stressful to make salads, but yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) it's insane to just try and keep order of everything. Like, yeah, that's the biggest thing is it's all about your prep. Right. And just like trying to figure out the systems of, okay, this, like we just noticed that we got crushed and this was the one area that maybe we need to change. So that way tomorrow it's just a little smoother. Yeah. Just the entire thing, honestly. And then to think that those, you know, men and women are working on a line and they're not really getting They're, I mean, let's be honest, they're not getting paid a lot of money. I mean, we pay the guys well there, but well in the sense of they work as line cooks, you know, yeah. um, they're not making a hundred thousand dollars a year with benefits and, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just crazy to think that there's people out there. I know this sounds like such a privileged thing, but it is a privileged <laughs> thing. Uh, but it's amazing to think that there's people out there that work that job for 20 or 30 years, completely break their body down and get no thanks, no public thanks for it. If, you know, very little, if any, and they don't even make really enough money there. We have a guy there who him and his, uh, his girlfriend have two kids with a third on the way. According to, I think, uh, MIT, that living wage for that family is like $64 an hour. They're not making that. And yet they show up. This kid shows up day in and day out. He's like coming up with ideas. He's busting his ass. You know, he's trying to put out the best food that he possibly can for these people. Yeah. And not even making enough money to, you know, support a family of three. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. It is crazy. I mean, there's stories like that all over the place with with the inside the restaurants, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy I made the the plunge to the front of the house a long time ago. Uh, it, I'm not saying it makes it any easier, but financially it does. Um, but you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's stressful in, in in all realms. There, I mean, whether you're a manager, you know, that has to babysit all the employees, or if you're in front of the house dealing with customers, you know, you watch that movie Waiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. This steak <laughs> is not done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. can I get a one for that? <laughs> we had this guy who, and, and, you know, I feel like, uh, I'll, I'll make this connect to, to farm to fork one and eat fresh network in a minute. But we had a guy the week, like, I think the second day we were open order for takeout. All right. It'll be ready in 20 minutes. Showed up 45 minutes later. If you're eating pretty much anything hot in a takeout container that's sitting and waiting for you for 25 minutes, you know, it's not going to be good. I don't really care what it is. Right. And so that was the case with his, with his food. So he comes 25 minutes later, picks it up, goes home, eats it, but then decides to go on Facebook and tell everybody in the world and not just like make a post and tag us and say it sucked, but then to go on to other Facebook groups. And if somebody said they had a, they had a great experience, he commented and said, really, because mine was terrible and here's why. And mm. so... You know, doing the thing you're supposed to do. Hey, I'm one of the owner. You know, I comment I'm one of the owners. I'm so sorry. Let me know when you want to come in, and and we'll have a free you know lunch or dinner for you and your girlfriend. 
And so, of course, you know, he's like, wants it at the most inopportune time. He wants it in the middle of like a busy lunch rush. And, <laughs> you know, he comes in and he gets the food. And three hours later, after he picked up, sends me a text that says, we just finished our food to three hours later. And everything was delicious. It was amazing. And, you know, I'm just like, holy cow, dude. You know, if you like, but he had already gone on and made 20 comments bashing it. I'm just thinking if people, the consumer knew, now granted, they don't need to necessarily know. Yeah. Transparency in some of these cases, like, you know, that's your problem, not mine. But if, if they really knew all the blood, sweat and tears and everything that goes into what these people are doing doing Doing, and how little they make you know it's just it's crazy now so to tie it into what you do i feel like you've been trying to do that with you know when it comes to local agriculture and educating consumers on hey here's what farms really have to deal with you know yeah i mean tie it all in i mean like you know working with the farms you know people that get to meet the farmer uh in one way or shape or form when they meet the farmer they are you know make that connection you know, most farmers are the nicest people out there. Yeah. You know, there's there's ones that, you know, they would give the shirt off their back when they're sitting in the rain and I'm in a dry area, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, to just to meet them and that kind of stuff. And we just want to put faces to the, to the people that are doing that with the food. And even with the Eating Fresh Network, we want to, you know, connect as much as we can. I mean, obviously we can't connect everybody, but we want to just change people's mentality. We want it to be so that, you know, less processing of the food and like, you know, yeah. you get to eat the stuff and meet it. I mean, if you get a box of craft macaroni and cheese, you know, first of all, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but secondly, like, you know, you don't know, you know, where any of that stuff comes from, you know, you don't, yeah. you're not going to meet Mr. Craft or whoever it is that makes it. Right. You know, uh, but you go down to any of the restaurants and get some macaroni and cheese, you meet that chef or meet that farmer that makes the cheese, you know. Yeah, I mean, it gives it all that much more. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to make your food taste better, but, you know, for me it does. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know a lot of good chefs, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good farmers, too, so. Yeah. You know. So, um, the, I, I know you, you know, you all aren't, aren't heading up the, you know, the renovation of, you know, this building and, you know, the right. whole development and everything. But from what you kind of described on the phone call to me, it kind of sounds like our version of an Eataly. Is that kind of correct? <laughs> that was just, that's a big statement. There. Is that, is that a, <laughs> yeah. I said our version. <laughs> yeah. Our version, Syracuse Eataly. We just got the EA part. That's it. <laughs> or just the EAT. Right. Eat. <laughs> you go there and eat, uh, and I'll make you a chicken parm. So. Have uh, you ever been to St. Lawrence Market in Toronto? No, I haven't. Okay. What's the other one? Oxbow in California? Yeah, I mean... No, I have it. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry. Have you ever been There's seven places I'm you've sorry, ever been to. Me. Have you ever been there one, right? too? Well, maybe like a little Italy, but with fresh yeah. local products yeah. and... I mean, I don't want to say it's like Italy at all. Because, yeah, I mean, you can go in there and right. there's... It's going to be a lot of different, like, vendors in there. So, you know, I'm sure at some point in time there's going to be a place to go get coffee in there. And right. at some place in time there's going to be a place to go get a beer in there and another yeah. place is a place to get some food and you know we we want to be able to, so you can go in there and get some fresh vegetables um you know maybe a butcher I mean, right. and then you'll be able to talk to these people and, and know connect yeah. with them and know where the food came from rather mm. and ask you know 
what's in your meat? Do you put any hormones? You'll be able yeah. to know that there's nothing like I mean, that in there. If yeah. we could make it like Italy and like have some guy that's in there making mozzarella from scratch in front of everybody, that would I mean, be wonderful. Yeah, right. I mean, if you know anybody that wants to come in and make some cheese, like <laughs> we can, we got a spot for you. Right. But you know, I mean, that's not what we're striving for. Uh, it would be awesome if that's like the end, end product here. Yeah. Um, you know, those are pipe dreams, I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if it goes that way, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, do I see it going that way? Yeah. Hey, I don't know. You know, that's whatever. part of our crowd investing platform. <laughs> yeah. Who are the? Who is the person that's in charge running up the development for that? Do you know? For the uh, building, I think it's Gearblock is what the name of it is. Okay. Uh, his name is uh, Scott Dumas. Hmm. I, I think I'm saying that right. So. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Dumas. It's, yeah, it's, called, it's pronounced dumbass. Remember that commercial? <laughs> no, Scott's no. wonderful. But do you remember no. that commercial? What was yeah. that commercial? Was that a paint company? I know not what are you talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that is a commercial. I forget from where, from what the company was from. Yeah. Uh, but Scott Dumas is the um, developer on the project. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's good. He's pretty uh, good. You know, he's got a lot of uh, influence around people that are over that area so yeah when i say influence i mean you know he knows a lot of people that want this project to go forward so yeah yeah now is the fresh network still operating now if somebody wanted to you know get local produce delivered or picked up or anything listen if a restaurant calls me up and says hey i'm looking for this i'll go out and find it for them uh but we don't have a a platform as of right now uh yeah um you know, it's all, it's just in a, in a holding pattern right now. So, uh, you know, we were waiting on permits for the building, you know, and, you know, we don't have refrigeration in there as of yet. So, yeah. uh, for us, we have no place to store it. Uh, we do have some places that we are, uh, we're going to be working with that should be able to hold it until we have our space up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of May, uh, I see it being, uh, the time that they can find the products and stuff so yeah um there's just a lot of onboarding and you know that's cool. and getting it back up and running and yeah you know. what do you think is going to be i mean i mean i know there's different aspects to this business right there's you know the direct to consumer so to speak um you know somebody wants to have groceries delivered or produce delivered to their house or whatever yeah. pick it up you know, there's the wholesale to restaurants and then there's mm-hmm. the school, you know, programs. So what do you think is like, I'd imagine like the direct consumer and probably the wholesale to restaurants is like the first thing to kind of pop off. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, we have the, the, the online platform that we should be opening up soon. So that's where we want to first start off uh, getting back into it and just kind of easily flowing, flowing back into where we we're at before, um, you know, and. I still have the Farm to Fork 101. We want to make it so that there's still dinners going on and there's still, we've been doing cooking classes down at the Salt City Market, uh, you know, for like six to eight people. I think we did a whole month of February was, uh, we did like a healthy eating. We had four different chefs come through. Mm. Um, It was pretty cool. We did one back in October, November time too. So, I mean, those things are still happening. Uh, There's, a new place downtown that they want to have some dinners and stuff at. So, you know, they want me to host them. So, I mean, we'll still be out there. There'll still be ways to like connect with us in without like ordering food for home. Yeah. Um, but we just don't want to come out and be like, yeah, we'll bring your food and then not right. be able to like, yeah, for know, sure. I don't want to bring in some 
lettuces and have it sitting on the floor of an empty warehouse that's under construction and then be like, here's... <laughs> no, thank you. Oh, oh this... Yeah. <laughs> this lettuce and wood chips is delicious. <laughs> um, so when is... What is the plan for... I mean, is there like a projected open date or kind of launch date for the first wave? Uh, the end of May. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. June, Holy cow. June, uh, I guess June 1st would be Related. ideally... Wow, that's mm-hmm. wild. That's fast. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were talking about like next year or something. Oh, no. no. We're ready. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have all the uh, everything in place to move forward. Uh, you know, we're just waiting on the last few little things. So That's awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, but we talked about it earlier. There's three phases. So yeah. the first phase, right. just the delivery, uh, would be starting in, in the end of May, June. Yeah. And then as we move forward and there's a commissary kitchen and mm-hmm. uh yeah, co-packing and co-packing. whatever else that that'll be yeah like a year from now and yeah then and then the grocery, the grocery store. store it'll be two years from now so that'll be cool yeah right. i mean if we can move faster that would be awesome but yeah hmm. you know yeah um all right so how can people get involved with the you know the funding portion of it or you know how can they get connected to you know what you're doing you know when it does open uh, so there's a few different ways. If you go online to our website, EdenFreshNetworkCNY.com, uh, there's different ways on there. There's a video of, <laughs> of the two of us and a few other people <laughs> talking about it. Uh, we're actually inside the Strathmore Paint Building, um, cool. and we went down to Brady Farm, and they did some, uh, some videos down there. Awesome. Um, you can go to that website. You can go to FarmToFork101.com. Uh, if you just send me an email at mark at farmtofork101.com, we'll send you a link. Uh, reach out. I mean, you have all the information I sent to you as well, yeah. so people that want to do it, uh, you know, and if you just drive by the Strathmore Paint Building and knock on the window, <laughs> they might let you in. You know, they'll be like, what are you doing here? Get yeah, out of here. But That's funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those are the ways to get involved, uh, and, and it's – just remember, it's not a donation. It is an investment. Mm-hmm. We will we will pay you back. Uh, the minimum is a hundred dollars, and the max is one hundred fifty thousand dollars. So if anyone with one hundred fifty thousand dollars is listening, right? Love to Anywhere have you between one hundred and yeah. one hundred fifty, we'll take it. Yes. And we'll um, pay it back. But yeah, I mean, we have uh, you know we're fifteen percent of the way in investments awesome. right now towards our minimum goal. Mm-hmm. Um, our minimum goal is uh, fifty thousand dollars. So okay. Um, and our max is one hundred fifty thousand. So yeah, uh, those the the quick freezing machine is a, a very expensive machine. Yeah, right. I bet. Yeah. Yes. Liquid nitrogen, a whole bunch of, a lot of <laughs> lot of, a lot of trinkets in that one. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, we're, we've got other things that we're working on too, and some of this money that we're raising, as far as that, will go towards a match for a USDA grant uh, for the Farm to School Initiative that we we that's cool. It's a, a local food promotions program through the USDA. Uh, hmm. You know, which will not only benefit us, but there's uh, five or six other businesses that'll benefit as well. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Mark, Leah, thank you both for coming on the podcast. Thank, thank you, you for having us. It. Yeah, and. We for everybody listening and watching, we'll put all the information and on links and everything in the show notes and on the website. So if you want to get involved or get connected or um, contribute, you can find everything there.
Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope that you appreciate it. Actually, you don't have to appreciate it, but I hope you'll enjoy listening to the podcast, uh, this conversation, and all of our conversations. We've got some cool stuff coming up uh, for you restaurant owners listening, business owners listening. We're starting a series, just, I shouldn't have called it a series. We're starting like a few episode trend where I'm going to be talking directly specific. I'm going to be talking to, not specifically, I'm going to be talking to directly marketers. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to be directly, I'm going to be talking uh, to people in the marketing industry, advertising industry, because my thought is I'm going to have in three or four different episodes, uh, people that come from different areas of advertising and marketing to answer questions for restaurant owners and small business owners uh, about advertising and marketing. There's a lot of confusion out there. And I want to try and get as best answers as I can for restaurant owners who are listening who could benefit from it. So I hope you're going to enjoy these next episodes. They're not going to be trying to sell you anything. Um, they're just going to be, you know, we're just going to be talking about, uh, you know, what they do and how and how restaurant owners can uh, can learn from what they do. So, yeah. Um, what else? That's it. Check us out on eatlocalnewyork.com and on social media, and we're going to catch you next week right here on the Eat Local New York podcast. Bye.